Well, it's great to be able to share with you again in this Advent season. My name's Brian. I'm one of the lead pastors, and I just want to send my greetings to all of our campuses in Waterbury, in New Milford, in Derby, in the Valley. Uh, we're just so excited to be in this Advent season right now. It just feels like a time where we can really reflect on the gift of Jesus Christ and where the Lord draws many people into the life of the church. And so if you're here for the first time, we're just really glad that you're here with us. The things that we'd love to do at Walnut Hills, we love to get around the Word of God. We love to be in fellowship with one another. We love to express the love of Jesus with one another. And so as we go through this sermon series, this is the second week of Advent, and we're focusing in the sermon series on the Great Gift Exchange how the Lord gives us wonderful gifts. And I believe that each time we gather throughout this Advent season, the Lord has a wonderful gift to give us. Last week, we've talked about giving our worry to the Lord. The passage was to cast our anxiety on the Lord and to receive his peace. I hope that you're experiencing a peaceful season this Christmas. This week, we want to focus on giving God our hurt and receiving his love. I think that this is one of the greatest gifts that we could possibly receive is the love of God. And so we want to talk about the love of God. Our passage that was read earlier comes out of Romans chapter 5. And Paul teaches us that faith in Jesus puts us in a position, and I'll catch these words, I love these words, it puts us in a position of undeserved privilege. Isn't that amazing? As people who experience and know the love of God, it puts us in this position of undeserved privilege. Here's why, and he explains it in verse 5 of chapter 5 in the book of Romans. He says, For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Undeserved privilege that we get to know the love of God in our life. Through the power of his spirit, he is present with us each and every day and he fills us, the spirit of God fills us with the love of God, an undeserved privilege. It's undeserved because God loves us even though we did not qualify ourselves for it. And it's a privilege because God has given us a special right to be in a position around his love and we do this by placing our, our walk and our lives in the hands of Jesus. As we're in a relationship with Jesus, we experience the love of God. And friends, I hope and I pray that this Christmas that you would put Jesus at the center of your lives. What is at the center of your life? You know, we can put all kinds of different things at the center of our lives. And as humans, we've been created to be people who respond that's how we've been knit together. That's how we've been built, is that we're responders. We respond to things. This is why we're called to worship. It's who we are. We're worshipers. We respond to how God moves and who he is in our life. If you were to talk to any great artist, any great musician, any great writer about their masterpiece, you would probably hear them say that they were inspired to do this masterpiece. They were responding to something they had to create. This is who we are. We respond. And the question becomes, what are you responding to? And you respond to the thing that you place at the center 
of your life? What's at the center of your life? And is it the right thing? Do you have in the center what should be in the center? You know, as I've been preparing this message, I've been asking myself this question. Brian, is your life lived in response to the love of God? Is Jesus at the center of your life? And if not, then you need to make an exchange. Replace what's at the center with something that's far better. A personal walk with Jesus Christ. This one who came at Christmas, who died for us on the cross, who gives us the gift of his spirit. There's nothing better. Is Jesus at the center of your life? And if not, are you willing to make an exchange? My father-in-law tells a story of the time he took his family, that's Becca's family, to Walt Disney World. And so there they were at the Magic Kingdom, and they were walking through the streets of the Magic Kingdom. My father-in-law, Ken, was holding the hand of one of his daughters, Kathleen. I think she was about five or six at the time. And he was walking through the streets of the Magic Kingdom, and he noticed how people were looking at him. And in fact, they were looking at him with faces of disgust. And he wondered, why were they looking at him in this way? He was kind of looking at himself, making sure everything was fine. He couldn't figure it out until finally he looked down at Kathleen. He's holding one of her hands, but in the other hand, she had found on the street a cigarette that she had picked up, and now she was pretending to smoke as they walked through the streets of the Magic Kingdom. And there was Ken just walking along with her. And to everybody else, it looked like there was this father who was approving of his five or six-year-old daughter smoking a cigarette. He quickly noticed that this was happening and he took the cigarette from Kathleen's hand and replaced it, exchanged it with a lollipop. Something much better, much better. Friends, it's very possible that we need an exchange as well. You know, what are you carrying around, and where did you get it? Did you get it from this world, or did you get it from the Lord? Do you need to make an exchange, replace what's at the center of your life? Let me give you some examples. Maybe you're carrying around hurt today, and that hurt has become the center of your life. Every decision you make is based out of that hurt, that, that place of, of hurt. And maybe you even find yourself hurting others because of the hurt that happened in your life. It's, it's controlling your thoughts, your every move, the relationships that you're in. It's at the center of your life. Or maybe you're carrying a lie that's been spoken over you. And it's become the center of your life. You've, you've believed that it's true. Or maybe you're carrying around a mistake that you made. It's defined you. It's what you think about yourself now. Or maybe you're reeling from a broken relationship and it's become the center of your universe to think about what happened there or what's happening there and you're, you're trying to solve it. All of your energy and all of your thoughts and all of your emotion is being spent on this relationship. It's become the center of your world. Or maybe you simply are carrying a heavy load of stress right now. You're, you're overburdened. It's become the center of your life. Or maybe you've planned, or you, you have at the center of your life, you, you've placed an aspiration or a dream or a, or a desire or an achievement. And all these things could be seen as good things, but they've 
defined everything that you do and they've, they've exhausted all your time and energy, maybe even finances, they become the center of your life. I think it's important as we talk about the love of God to ask ourselves the question, what is at the center of our lives? See, friends, I, I want to say when you put Jesus at the center, you receive his presence through the power of his spirit. And when you receive his presence through the power of his spirit, you get to experience the love of God. But you got to put him at the center of your life. You know, as I was studying for this message and really praying and, and listening to the Lord, uh, I felt the Lord give me something. I want to say if Jesus were here, I feel like he'd, he'd say this to us. I feel like Jesus might be saying, hey, listen, church family, I want to open up a season of grace to you right now. That if you choose to step into it, you're going to step into a, the next level of revelation, of, of understanding, of grasping my love for you. If you choose to step into it, if you, if you choose to, to seek the face of Jesus and put Jesus at the center of your life in a real and authentic and transparent way, in an intentional way, if you really go after not the presence of this world, but the presence of Jesus Christ in your life in this season, in this moment, I feel like the Lord, he's going to do something exponential in our life, allowing us new revelation of his love, stepping up into the next level of understanding of, the, of God's love for us. You know, there are stages of love in a relationship. Maybe you can remember this. Maybe you're hoping for this. But when you start to date somebody, there's a stage of love where you're kind of trying to figure out if you love the person, if you can commit in that way. You're, you're trying to discover whether that person loves you, so you're hinting at it. You're maybe even testing to see if that person will stand up for you or stand with you in things. Maybe that relationship progresses to the next stage of love and, and you become engaged. Now you're saying, I'm going to love you for the rest of my life. It's this, this place of committed love. But you don't have the years of experience of loving one another just yet. But then maybe you, you get married, now you're newlyweds, and now you are in love. Everything about the person, everything they say, everything they do, you love you're committed to them. You have this life ahead of you that's going to be all about loving them. And you think in this newlywed stage that, that this is the best. This is what perfect love looks like. Then you step into 10 years of loving one another. 10 plus years of loving one another. And you move to another stage of what it means to love one another. Now you have years of experience under your belt where you've actually been able to love one another through tough times, through challenging decisions, through moments where you really need to seek the Lord and, and hear from Him. You have all these years of experience. You probably even look back and you say, wow, when we were newlyweds, when we first started, we didn't know what we were talking about. By the grace of God, we're still here today. Our love has grown. And now we really know what, it love, what love is. There's stages of love in our relationship with one another. And there are stages in our love with God. Now keep this in mind though. God's love for us never changes. It's always full, but our understanding and our love for him can grow and grow. And I believe the gift the Lord wants to give each of us 
is a revelation of his love for us at a new level. Do you want to step into a new level? Into a deeper place of knowing and understanding the love of God? You see, I believe if we really seek his face in this season and if this word is true that he's going to open us up uh, to new levels of revelation of his love, I believe that his love has the power to heal old wounds. I believe that his, his love has the ability to inspire us into a new calling. I believe his, his love is able to, 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 to pierce through those lies in our lives and, and really teach us and press upon us our true identity in him. I believe there's so much to gain if we seek his face and this revelation of his love. You know, as I was preparing this message, I was really drawn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. It's a passage I've read many, many times. But the Lord really wanted me to discover it at a deeper level. This is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. And this is his prayer for them. And, and really, it can be a prayer for us too. This is what it says in chapter 3, verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Now, to be honest with you, whenever I've read that in the past, I've kind of read it fast. You know, how wide, how long, how high, how deep. And I always would think to myself, well, what Paul's trying to say here is that God's love is big. So why didn't he just say that? Man, I hope that you all know how big God's love is for you. But he, but he gives these other descriptive words. He, he lays it out in a deeper way. But to be honest with you, as I read this in the past, I just read through it quickly. I had a, a roommate in college. His name was Doug. And it was my freshman year. And, and Doug, he saved up all of his money. He worked really hard. I, I rarely saw him. And he saved up his money because he, he wanted to buy a car. And so he bought a car. It was a car he had his eye on. It was a 1984 911 3.2 Carrera Porsche. It was pretty cool. And Doug invited me over to his house. He didn't bring it on campus because he didn't trust anybody. So he brought me to his house, his parents' house, to see the car. And Doug wanted to explain to me how fast the car was. And so he told me all about the car with all kinds of terminology and numbers that I didn't understand. And this is what Doug said. He said, hey, Brian, I want to tell you all about this, this car. Let me tell you, it's got a 3.2 liter horizontally opposed flat cylinder, six cylinder. The sweat volume of 3,164 cc was achieved using a 3.7 inbore combined with the 1978 turbo 3.3 crankshaft 2.9 in stroke has a new inlet manifold and exhaust system. And this car can accelerate from zero to 60 in 5.4 seconds. And honestly, I had to read that because I would never remember it. And I didn't remember it at that moment. I had to look at him and say, Doug, all those numbers, all those words, they mean nothing to me. Why don't you just say, hey, Brian, this is a car. It's really fast. I mean, this thing is really fast. But now that I, I, I walk away from that situation, I wish I would have asked him more questions about all those numbers. I wish I would have asked him more questions about the detail of the car because everything that he told me meant something. I, I wish that I had the wisdom to say, hey, tell me more about this because if I got it, if I understood what those numbers meant, what all those parts were for, if I understood it, then I would have a greater appreciation for the car. 
and I'd have a greater appreciation for the designer of the car. And the same is true in what Paul is trying to do here. Paul doesn't just say, God's love is big. No, he says that he wants us to grasp. He wants us to understand the love of God. And he doesn't just describe it as big. No, he says it's wide, it's long, it's high, and it's deep. And I got to tell you, friends, as I I read this passage this time in my life, I didn't read through it. But each statement, it hit my heart in a new way, like a a new revelation of God's love for us. With with each phrase, it's it's wide, it's it's long, it's high, it's it's deep. With with each phrase, which with each of those words, it was like the Lord was just hitting me with another wave of of his a dimension of his love. You see, Paul wasn't trying to say God's love is big. No, he was trying to say his love is all-encompassing. It has multiple dimensions to it that you should seek, that you should discover, that you should learn about. I was reminded of when God gave Abraham the land. This was a promise from God to Abraham. He's going to give him a land. And when God gives him the land in Genesis chapter 13, this is what the Lord says to Abraham. He told him to walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it. I love that, that this was the command of God. He says, listen, this is what I want. I'm giving you this land. Now, I want you to go and explore it. I want you to discover the length of it and the breadth of it. I want you to know the land. I want you to walk through your inheritance so you have a good understanding of what it is. I want you to experience what it feels like to walk upon the land. I want you to know the smells. I want you to to learn about the vegetation and the plant life and the animal life in this land. I want you to know every square inch of it. And friends, we have an inheritance too. And that inheritance is that we've been given the gift of God's spirit within us. And therefore, we have a personal walk with the Lord. And therefore, we can know the love of God. And I think what the Lord is wanting for us in this Advent season is to walk the land. I think he's wanting us to know the the width and the breadth, the length and the breadth of his love for us. And so the Lord said to my heart, come and, and understand these dimensions of my love. And friends, I believe that one of these dimensions, if not all of them, will be a gift to you today. That as I share about them, the, the, the width, the, the length, the height, the depth of his love, that these dimensions would, would minister to you and be even a new revelation of God's love in your life. And so God's love is first wide. I want to propose that God's love is wide enough to embrace everyone. The promise here is that God, his love is for you. God's love is for all of us, no matter what, it's unconditional. This means that God's love is not conditioned on your behavior. Now, I think that maybe many of you have been taught that God's love is conditioned on your behavior, that actually you get to know God's love only if you're good enough, only if you only earn God's love if you do all of these things. 
But that's not the case, friends. In fact, Scripture teaches us that God is love. He, he can't separate himself from the fact that he is love. And he has unconditional love. And his love is wide. I just imagine when I, when I look at that word wide, I imagine a, a great father spreading their, their arms as far as they can go, ready to embrace their children. And God's stretch is wide. Wide enough to welcome and embrace every person on this planet with his love. God's love is not conditioned on our behavior. His love is for us no matter what. Now, this is our role. Our role is not to earn the love of God. The love of God has been earned for us. This is what Jesus did. He came to earth and he went to the cross. He died for our sins. When we call on his name, when we confess of our sins through his shed blood, our sins are forgiven, wiped clean. In him, the Spirit of Christ is within us. So when God looks upon us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus within us. Therefore, we are in the presence of God through his Spirit. We didn't earn it. Jesus did it on our behalf. So what's our role? Our role is not to earn the love of God. Our role is to learn the love of God. Our role is to daily learn and understand and grasp how wide the love of God is for each and every one of us. You know, God finds no one unlovable. Therefore, he loves you. He loves me. His love is wide enough to embrace anyone. No restrictions. He loves you. Now, the problem with us is that we begin to believe lies. We begin to believe myths that are untrue. We begin to believe that, well, I'm unlovable. I'm not forgivable. I'm not valuable. I'm not changeable. I'm not desirable. But these are all lies, friends. That we have a God, we have a heavenly father who loves his children, who created each and every one of us and longs for us to turn to him. And when you understand his love, you understand that his love is so wide that it's immovable. It's wide. Not only is God's love wide, but God's love is long. And it's long enough to never run out. And the promise here is that God's love for you will never run out. God will never fall out of love with you. His love will never run out. Nothing you can do would shorten his love for you. You know, friends, we live in a culture that is a love runs out culture. And so this is a hard concept for, our, for us to understand sometimes. That God's love, it's, it's unfailing, it's, it's never ending. It's hard for us to understand. When, when you look at our world, you see a world where love runs out. Do you know 40% to 50% of first-time marriages end in divorce? Ru love runs out. When you look at our world, we, we, our love runs out for the different fads, the different styles quickly. Our love runs out for shows that we watch. Our love runs out for, for the must-haves. All of our must-haves become must-goes really quickly. Love runs out. And so we live in a culture where love runs out. And so it's hard for us to understand that the love of God never runs out. It never thins out. 
It never wastes away. We never have to question God's love for us. I love in Isaiah 54 verse 10, it says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills removed. I love that passage. If everything's taken away, the mountain's shaken, the hills removed, that means nothing's there. My unfailing love will not be shaken. Nothing can come up against the love of God. It will never run out. God's love is wide. God's love is long. But God's love is also high. It's high enough to see past any obstacle. And the promise here, friends, is that God's love will comfort you through any challenge. Now, the context of our passage today from Romans 5 is that Paul is speaking to people who are facing great trials and troubles. They're under persecution for their faith. Yet he reminds them that when they understand the love of God, they'll be able to face any trial. And this is why, because the love of God is high enough to see past any obstacle. See, with the love of God in our hands, with the love of God in our heart, as we understand the love of God, we come to the understanding that we have everything we need to walk through any challenge. We've got the love of God. We uh, were in TJ Maxx just a little while ago, and Bria was with us, my six-year-old. And um, she found this stuffed animal deer, and she loved it. So she was carrying it around everywhere we went. And we told her she couldn't have it, so she put it back. Then we came back to TJ Maxx uh, um, a couple weeks later, and she found the deer again. And she was carrying it around everywhere she went, and she began to, to tell us these things about the deer and why she should have the deer, and you probably know what she was saying, but, you know, hey, I promise to clean my room. I'll have this, if I can have this deer, I'll never ask for anything else. I really love, I really love that one. I'll never ask for anything else. If I have this, life will be complete, you know, and, and I don't know if Santa will get it for her or not, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, she, she found this deer and she thought that if she had this, she'd have everything. And um, we do that in our lives too, don't we? We we think if we just have this one thing, then we'll have everything. And actually, this isn't a negative idea. We've actually been created in this, this way, where we have this desire, well, if I could just get that, I'll be okay. The problem is, is that we, we put all of that into something that, that, that's not good for us. But we've actually been created this way to believe that there's something out there that if we have it, will be okay. So we search the earth for the thing or things that will make us content, but so often we focus on the wrong thing. But here's the thing, when we place our relationship with Jesus, when we go after that, when we put Jesus at the center of our lives, we come to know the love of God and we discover that this is all we need. So it becomes this good desire, man, we, this is all we need. And we, we place that affection and that attention and that commitment upon our personal relationship with Jesus. We find out that actually he is all that we need. He's more than enough and he's high enough. His love is high enough to see past any obstacle. Friends, a scary health journey feels and looks different when you know the love of God. An uncertain future feels and looks different when you know the love of God. A hurtful word feels and looks different when you know the love of God. A step of faith feels and looks different when you know the love of God. When our relationship with Jesus 
and his love become the object of our attention, we're able to see past the obstacle and find contentment and peace and confidence and assurance in the love of God. His love is high, but his love is also deep. God's love is deep, and it's deep enough to cover all of our needs. And the promise here is this, is that God's love will meet your deepest desires. It'll satisfy our hearts, our, the longing of our hearts. You know, God's love is not surface deep. It's like an ocean. It's deep enough to cover all of our needs. In fact, the love of God, is, it's so deep that he decided to stand in our place. Took on our sins. I don't think I know a love any deeper than that. That in Jesus, God's heart for us was made known. <laughs> this is what's so special about Christmas is that we reflect on Jesus. And in Jesus, God's heart for us became known. Jesus is the revelation of the Father's heart for us. And if that's true, then everything Jesus did for us is a reflection of the heart of God, the Father. Now, I don't know what your earthly father is or, or was like, but I can tell you this, your heavenly father, if you want to see a reflection of your heavenly father, look at Jesus. Put Jesus at the center of your life. And when you do that, what you learn about your heavenly father might not look anything like your earthly father. It'll look like Jesus. The one who, who came and, and served, who washed his disciples' feet, the one who healed, the one who was filled with wisdom, who taught, the one who went to the cross for your sins, the one who died, the one who overcame death and walked out of the grave alive, who rose, who ascended to heaven and gave the gift of his spirit to you, the greatest gift. Our Heavenly Father is a good gift giver. This is a picture of our Father. And we see in Jesus that the Father's love is, is deep and it, it covers our every need. It, it covers our past. His love covers our past sin, casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. It, it covers our present, that the love of God gives us wisdom. It, it guides us in life and it covers our future. Because in the love of God, we, we know we have a future. We know he'll be faithful to his promises. Friends, the love of God is wide, it's long, it's high, it's deep. And the question is, what's at the center of your life? Do you want to go to the next level of revelation of the love of God? See, I believe the Lord's inviting us to know and grasp the gift of his love this Christmas. If, if we seek his fake face and we focus on him. The choice is ours. Will you focus on him? There's a story of a man named Matt Emmons. In 2004, he was in the Olympics. He's a sharpshooter. And he was way ahead of the whole field. Came down to one target that he had to hit. And he focused in on the target and he concentrated on his breathing. And he took the shot and he, it was a bullseye. But then he, he pulled the gun away and he looked and he had focused on the wrong target. He hit the wrong target. He hit a bullseye, but the wrong target. Focused on the wrong thing. 
Friends, today, let's remember what to focus on. This Advent, let's place Jesus at the center of our life. Let's experience the love of God that is wide, that is long, that is high, and that is deep. And I can promise you this. If you place Jesus at the center of your life, you'll come to know of the great love of the Father. I pray that this love of the Father would be a great gift to you this Advent season. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.